0: This is the Word of God, Acts chapter 8. So stay standing as we read Scripture together. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 8 and 26 through 40. So pay attention as we listen to the Word of God. And Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, dragging off men and women, committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them, Christ and the crowds with one accord, pay attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him, and they saw signs that he did, and unclean spirits were crying out. And out came many. and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And there was much joy in that city. Verse 26, now an angel of the Lord, said to Philip, "Rise and go to the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And he was in charge of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated on his chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and Heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that they were reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you? Does this prophet say this? Is it about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, hey, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them, and they came up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, you are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are the promise keeper. You're everything to us. You've never known one moment of unfaithfulness, not one moment of unholiness. You, God, make a way for an Ethiopian eunuch to bring the gospel to all of Africa. And you select people still today. Set them apart. And you draw them in to salvation in Jesus Christ. And those people are hungry. They're seeking. They want you. But they need someone to tell them about this Jesus who died and rose again. And so God, we need you more than we can say. We need you so much. You're doing such a good work in South Des Moines. You're doing such a good work at Living Waters. It's so beautiful to watch. And Lord, we're a small part of this bigger thing that you're doing all over the world, God. Your gospel is going out. All over central Iowa, your gospel is going out. Oh Lord, would you multiply the message of Jesus so that we would believe And see even more come to Christ. You're right on time, God. You are right on time. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, welcome and happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Praise God for our dads. I got a picture of my dad here, and this is my dad, my brother's Um. And I texted my dad this morning, and just I'm so thankful for a dad, right? If you have a dad that is consistent in your life, still alive, praise the Lord, right? I mean, praise God for the gifts of dads. And may our culture rise up a lot more dads, amen? Because we need dads to be dads. And I can hear Jesus' laughter in heaven because that, that was my house growing up. I got one brother who's with Jesus now, and then my three brothers that are still alive, and then my dad. And, uh, you know, I grew up all boys, all boys culture, right, right? And then I have all girls, amen? That's exactly That's exactly how that goes all the time. So I want to encourage you dads, we live in a culture of gender confusion and sexual sin, and I'm not here to browbeat you or or to try to preach a little mini-sermon to you about do better. I just, as a, as a dad to another dad, I just have so much compassion for you. And just, I, there's a place for you in our culture. You really matter. All you dads matter so much. And the culture is not going to tell you that nearly enough. But may you find the church of Jesus to be very encouraging to who you are. And what you're doing, you are doing the most essential work. And may God empower you to rise up and continue to be a godly dad, okay, for many years to come. And so may, may God bless you. First Timothy chapter 6, may you take hold of eternal life. May you fight the good fight of faith. May you pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. May you find all those things by the Spirit of God, and may you also find some great food today. Amen? My sermon series this morning is The Thriving Church. We're continuing through the book of Acts, and we are coming into Acts chapter 8, and my sermon title this morning is, He's an on-time God. Man, is He ever. If God has ever been on time, give me a witness, and amen. He's on time, right? All the time. Now, here's the thing about God. He's never early. Can I get an amen? I mean, like never. You want him to be early. We're Americans. Show up early for the meeting. But God is not that way. And he's never late. Praise the Lord. He's never late. He's right on time, all the time. And you as a Christian are probably not going to grow to the fullest potential in your walk with Christ until you get that principle in your mind. God is an on-time God. And there's a lot of circumstances that come your way. And we're going to see a lot of circumstances in Acts chapter 8. Some of them you're like, oh yeah, I totally understand that, God. You're right on time. Amen. With that Philip and the eunuch, and this is great. But there's some things in the passage that you're going to be like, whoa, wait a minute. God's on time even in that situation. Yes. And I'll lead off with a story. I'll never forget this story because the story of our building, purchasing this place debt free, is a story of miraculous on time provision. And one particular night, I'll never forget this, we wanted to take the initiative to buy this building from Fairway Corporation. And I remember sitting with a group of leaders in our church and saying, We need to take this step. And the, the, the reality of the conversation was, Pastor, we can't do that until we have more money. We need more money. Like, yeah, and I agree. How much more money do you think we need? And they're like, you know, I don't know, like 100,000, 150,000. And I was just like, that is such a big number. We don't have 100,000 or $150,000 just sitting around. And I remember coming out of that meeting knowing that's what we needed and knowing we didn't have it. And I remember just saying, God, Josh Daggett here, South Des Moines, checking in, desperate for you. I know that there's just things that are outside of my control. This is way outside of my control. But God, would you please provide? Would you be on time? Would you be on time for us somehow, some way? And you pray that prayer. And I just remember driving down Army Post Road. It's 6.30 at night. And I'm like, okay, come home. Talk to Danielle. This is what we need. Got to pray. We pray together that night. And I remember the next morning getting a text message Saying, "Hey, God put you on my heart. Need to come meet with you. This individual does not even come to our church. We meet at the well across the street the next morning at seven forty-five a.m. This man comes. God put you on our heart. Holy Spirit set us apart and set you guys apart in our minds. And they wrote us a check for two hundred thousand dollars." the next morning. Yeah, that's a God thing. That's a God thing. Okay. He's an on-time God. Does that make sense? He's an on-time God. That is on time. And I'll never forget that moment. I mean, for the rest of my life, I'll never forget that. God is never early. He's never late. He's right on time. Now, God being right on time is not just $200,000 checks. It's Every moment of our day, right? Like every moment of your day today is right on time. And like what you're going to eat for lunch is right on time, whether you like it or not, praise the Lord, right? Whether you like the food or not, right on time. And, and so many things. What I know is that the headlines are not going to read tomorrow on all the social media and all the news com- corporations. God was right on time yesterday. For over 8 billion people, that will not be the headlines. The headlines will be something to complain about. But here's what we can say at church this morning. God's on time. All the time. He's right on time with your life. Right on time. Some of you are struggling with that truth. And I just hope that it clicks with you this morning. He's right on time. God is right on time for his church. And that's my big idea this morning. God is an on-time God, always working strategically and supernaturally to make his church thrive. God is right on time with his church. And we see that in Acts chapter 8 because a lot of things are going on in Acts 8. You've got the growing of the church, the persecution of the church. You've got Philip being sent to this Ethiopian eunuch. And what's going on there? It's right on time. And I'm going to give you four areas that God's right on time in. Four areas this morning. Number one, the first area is God is right on time in the scattering. This is probably the hardest point of the message. God is right on time in the scattering. In verse one, it says, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. They were all scattered. Saul was ravaging the church. And those who were scattering went about preaching the word. So you see that word scattered and scattering. God is on time in the scattering. And this is like super discouraging. When Stephen died, a persecution broke out against the whole church. People were being in threatening, dangerous positions everywhere. Paul is going around arresting Christians, pulling them out of their houses they're being arrested for being Christ followers. That is not a pleasant thought. And I can tell you, right, the Apostle Paul would not run or want to run into Danielle Daggett. I can tell you that right now. You try to pull my wife out of the house, with all the work we've done to that thing, we've remodeled every square inch, and Danielle's like, I'll just die here, thank you very much. But many of you wives are very similar. You would be like, No way but for your faith in Christ, Paul is being aggressive and he is is persecuting the church and the church is being scattered. Philip being one of those individuals scattered all about. And as they are scattering, they're sharing the word of God. They're sharing Jesus with people as they go. You want to know what happened to me? Here's what happened to me. Here's what happened to my faith. I'm being persecuted for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him. Now, God has often forced his people to spread out. Do you remember the Tower of Babel? Remember that whole thing? Genesis chapter 11, everybody is getting off the boat and we're populating the earth. And God said, spread out. everybody! spread out. What do humans do? Rebel against God. That's what we do all the time. Oh, you say spread out, God. Guess what? We'll all hang out together and build this big tower. And the big thing about Babel in Genesis 11 is let let us make a name for ourselves, right? So everybody had the same language and everybody's doing it and it's uh, it's going up because people like to hang out together. We don't like to spread out. We like to hang out. And God says, well, I'm guessing I'm going to have to just create languages. And so he splits them all up with languages. So all of a sudden, the English speaker is now speaking to a Spanish speaker who's now speaking to a Nepalese speaker who's now speaking to a Chinese speaker, and everybody's like, we're done, project over, can't communicate, and off they go. You know this happened to Jesus as well? When Jesus would heal people, they would want to hang out with him, like, oh, you're my my favorite, you healed me, I want to hang out with you, and Jesus says, go back home and share, share what God has done for your soul, tell your friends and family about what God has done. All right, now the early church, 30,000 plus all around Jerusalem, a big thing. It's a wonderful movement. It's all connected to Jerusalem. God has to get them to spread out because do you remember what Jesus said? He said, you will be witnesses for me in Acts eight in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You got to get out there. Samaria, you got to get out there to the uttermost parts of the earth. And humans, our natural tendency, even as Christians, is to have our holy huddles. Can I have a holy huddle? Amen. It's just easier to hang out with Christians, right? Because we're Christians and we hang out with Christians and that's what Christians do. And the gospel's got to get out. Cross-culturally, it's got to get out to places that have not heard about Jesus. So the persecution, which nobody that I know of prefers persecution, the persecution serves to spread out people. God is right on time. God is right on time with the persecution. Now that lands on an American Christian pretty hard because you're like, you're telling me something hard is, is going to happen and God is over that? That's exactly what I'm telling you. You mean persecution's going to happen and God is over that? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Now, listen, in America today, you can see it on the horizon, can't you? You can see persecution on the horizon. I hope you can. Any Christian that is walking with Jesus in the word, you can see that it could come. It could come through financial means and fines and things like that. It could come with physical things at some point, it can come. If you say that Jesus is Lord and Savior, there will be a time when you don't just get to come to church and everybody's clapping for you to come to church. There might be a time in which it's hard to come to church. What is God doing in the midst of that? Have we lost the cultural war? No. Persecution is to get the gospel out. Amen? I don't want persecution. I'm not inviting it into my life. I want to get along with everybody that I can and cheer for the Cubs and cheer for my teams, amen? Which they've won five in a row, by the way, if, you, if you're keeping track. I don't want to get persecuted. I'm not looking for it. But if it's coming down to what I confess, I will confess Jesus. And if it's coming down to what you confess, what is God doing in the persecution? He's spreading his name and his message all over the place. That is right on time. God is right on time. And God is going to send a man named Philip, in verse 5, to a man named, we don't know, Ethiopian eunuch. We'll call him eunuch, right? Philip is going to be sharing the gospel in Samaria, and he's got a lot of the good things going, verses five through eight. There's a lot of people coming to Christ. Miracles are happening. Philip is doing a great job sharing the gospel, and the angel of the Lord shows up. This is an unseen realm appearance. The angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, you need to go down south of Jerusalem to that intersection where the interstates connect, I-80 and I-35. You need to go down there. And you need to connect to that highway by Gaza, and I have got a plan for you. That's amazing. Philip's scattering. The church is scattering, but God is on time in the scattering. Secondly, God is on time in the sending. God is on time in the sending. So the angel of the Lord tells Philip, rise and go to the south. Go to Gaza. This is a desert place, verse 26. And he arose and he went. So again, Philip is just going in response to obedience to God. He's going down to this place called Gaza. And again, it's just this place where like Africans and Egyptians and Jewish people and people from all over are just traveling through It was a main route of travel. So think about interstate rest area. Okay, think about that. Philip goes to the rest area and he's like, okay, which one, which one? And God's like, I'm going to tell you there's going to be one person that you got to go find. Now Philip is leaving the many for the one. Think about this, he's leaving the many for the one. That's a big deal. Do you know God sometimes calls believers to leave the group to go to the one? Amen. But we like the many. We like the big crowd. We like the big thing, don't we? We like the momentum of a crowd and a, and a gospel movement. Going from the many to the one, are you sure God and the angel of the Lord says go to the one? Sometimes God's going to call you to go to the one, go find the one. What's God most impressed by, your ability to speak in front of a crowd or your ability to go reach one person for Jesus? Hopefully it's to go reach one for Jesus. Hopefully it's just the one, go find the one, leave the many, go to the one. And so Philip goes from the many to the one to a desert place, and he's going to be sent to an Ethiopian eunuch, an African, an Ethiopian Now, an Ethiopian eunuch, what is a eunuch class? All God's people said, this sermon just got awkward real fast. Kids, your parents will tell you all about what eunuchs are later today, okay? Can't think of a better gift on Father's Day than to task the fathers with explaining what a eunuch is to their children. What to say, a eunuch, kids, was a really neat guy, okay? Just a really neat guy. Now, listen, this eunuch is a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. Oh, Candace, what a great name. Okay, here's the thing. The the term Candace is not actually her name. That was just her title, what she did, okay? She was over the nation of Ethiopia. And this guy controlled, all right, a lot of things. He was responsible for a lot of things in the kingdom. He was over the money, so he was very trustworthy, And if you think about Ethiopia, let me just give you a little history. Some of you are thinking like, Ethiopia, the country that I know today, 2024. If I pull up a a, a map of the continent of Africa, it's Ethiopia. It's just that small country. No, 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 no. In this day, at Jesus' time, Ethiopia represented a massive dynasty in Africa. This was huge, okay? This would have been the dominant culture on the continent, So God is calling Philip to leave the many for the strategic one because the gospel is going to go to Africa. Praise God, right? How cool is that? When did the gospel get to Africa? Before it got to Europe. Think about that for a moment. The gospel went to Africa first. That is beautiful. Can I get an African amen? He was very rich. He was very smart. He was in charge of the queen's treasure. He had a scroll of Isaiah. Does that stick out to anybody else? A scroll of Isaiah. You're reading in Hebrew. How smart are you? And how rich are you? How did you afford a scroll of Isaiah for real? And he's reading Isaiah in Hebrew in his chariot and this eunuch was seeking after God. And let me tell you, God was seeking after the eunuch first. Can I get a witness? We love because he first loved us. God was stirring in this man's heart long before he even knew about it. But here he is. You, you know how long the journey was from Ethiopia to Jerusalem? A thousand miles. You don't go somewhere for a thousand miles unless you want to know God, right? How many, of you, how many miles did you travel for church this morning? Seven, five, three. 15, 20, you know, like, like that's a long ways away. It's Des Moines talk, right? Where do you go to church? Well, I go to church all the way across the city. Oh, come on, it's 35 minutes. 35 miles, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, whatever. A thousand miles to go to Jerusalem one way and a thousand back. This guy wanted to know God. He had a desire to know God. And he had the money, the power, the education, and the desire, and God sent Philip to this man. God is right on time when he sends a missionary to a sinner. Now, is God right on time when he sends you to somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Yes, he does. Go with confidence. Be led by the Spirit of God. God is right on time in the sending. Third area, God is right on time in the seeking. God is right on time in the seeking. So Philip, the Spirit said to Philip, go join this chariot. He points out the chariot. So Philip ran up and and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone guides me? And then he's right in Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. Are you kidding me? Mind blown. Who is the suffering servant? Is it him or somebody else? What's going on? God is right on time in seeking this man as this man was seeking God. You see the exchange? God is seeking the man. The man is seeking God, and and God is glorified in this particular moment. The Spirit of God tells Philip, go up to this particular chariot. All right, Philip goes up to the chariot, and he runs. Notice that he runs up to the chariot. He ran to him setting up one of the most naturally funny scenes in all the Bible. This is hilarious, you guys. Come on, picture this in your mind. This is running evangelism. Hey, nice chariot. (laughs) Is that a Camaro or what? What are you reading? Isaiah, okay. You know, this is hilarious. Chad DeClean, Pastor Chad who's quite the runner himself, commented on this chair, on this passage this week, as we talked about it as elders. And he said, very funny scene. And he's like, and it's also funny to think that, what if the eunuch made Philip run for a while? Like, <laughs> hey, what are you doing? I don't know you keep running. You know what I mean? Like that, does that make it? And then Pastor Lawrence added, chimed in with another funny uh, comment. He said, we see here in this passage the importance of cardio and evangelism. (laughs) See that? Oh, and do I I say it? No, I'm not going to. It's It's a corny joke. It probably won't land. But listen, Philip was running and he asked this question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand? what a great evangelism question. If you're trying to lead someone to Jesus, this is a great one to ask. Do you understand what you're reading? If someone is reading the Bible and then, oh, I've read the Bible before. or Oh, I'm reading the Bible, but I don't understand it. That is a great question to ask. And the eunuch is reading scripture, but he's not understanding scripture. And Philip is the eunuch's guide right on time, right on time to explain Isaiah 53. And this is mind-blowing that he's reading Isaiah 53 because a scroll is like this. I mean, you got to do this. And it's not like it's just like chapter, verse. It's not like he had a smartphone. He's like just Isaiah 53. It's like literally a roll situation. And he has rolled exactly to Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8, which happens to be the most Christ-centered verses in the whole Old Testament. Isn't that amazing? What a coincidence. Or... What a right on time God. And so Philip talks about the death of Jesus as a substitute for sinners. The eunuch invites Philip up into the chariot, lets him stop, like didn't make him run anymore. Come on up. And this is such a God moment. Right person, right time, right on time. It's the right missionary to the right unsaved guy with the right heart at the exact right moment with the exact right scripture to lead him to Jesus Christ in faith. God is on time at seeking. So he's really good at this. If you're trying to witness to somebody and God's not really working in their heart, it's okay. Chill out, right? Trust God's timing. But you'll know if somebody's in the word and someone's coming to this moment of crisis, that's the moment to share Jesus with them. God is the one who seeks after sinners And the sinner is the one who seeks after God. And when you see that combination together, that's the moment to bring Jesus to the sinner. God is on time. And finally, God is on time in the saving. God's on time in the saving. Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, hey, water here. What prevents me from being baptized? And then they go down into the water, come up out of the water Spirit of the Lord carries Philip away and then you see the man going away rejoicing. God is on time in saving people. Philip graciously begins with the passage that the guys in. It says beginning with this scripture in verse 35. Beginning with Isaiah, he tells them the good news about Jesus. He launches into Jesus using Isaiah as his foundation. Did you know all of the Old Testament points to Christ? So if you have somebody reading in the Old Testament, you can lead them to Christ without ever even going into the New Testament. You can do it because you start with people where they are. It's also a good thing to do too. Christian, don't stick up your nose and be like, hey, I'll evangelize you when you advance a little bit more, come a little bit more my way. I can't believe you don't know that. That's so ridiculous that you don't know that. I'll witness to you later, right? Take them where they're at, amen? Find the sinner where they're at and lead them to Jesus. And if they got their Bible open, hallelujah. Take them from that scripture where they're at and like, hey, does the Bible say anything about this? It does. It says it right here. And then here's Jesus as well. Do it. That's the way you share Christ the law and the prophets, they all point to Jesus. The eunuch believes in the name of Jesus and he is saved through repentance and faith. Now they come to some water. God's on time, right? Right on time. Remember, they're in a desert place. They're in a desert place. Chances of seeing water, very slim. And all of a sudden the the eunuch says, oh my goodness, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing, let's go. Now, this is where I get 99% immersion-based, right? I'm 99% certain this was an immersion. They go down into the water, they come up out of the water. It'd be very odd that, oh, there's just enough water there to sprinkle you. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of water. They go down into the water, they come up out of the water. That's where we get immersion. That's why we dunk people at living waters, right? And after the baptism, Philip vanishes by the power of God. This is amazing. He ends up getting transported to Azotus 20 miles north of where they were at by the Spirit. The eunuch's looking around like, where did that guy go? It'd be like Dave baptizing Jay and then Dave disappears. We'd all be like, awesome. He must have gone to Azotus. Great. (laughs) No, it's a miracle of God. It's amazing, right? And the eunuch is amazed, and he goes away rejoicing in his salvation. And God uses that man, that one salvation. He left the, Philip left the many to go to the one, and the one is going to reach the many. That one man is going to go to Ethiopia, and church history and church tradition tells us that the continent of Africa was reached through this man. The gospel went to Africa through this man. Praise God. God is right on time. Right on time. I close with this illustration uh, just six weeks ago. We were out doing uh, door knocking in the neighborhood. We were doing our, our church surveys and our neighborhood surveys. And I meet a lot of Nepalese Hindus. A lot. There's a lot of them. You knock on the door and normally they're Hindu and, and they, they have all their established religion. And one day, six weeks ago, I knocked on the door and it was a Nepalese family. I said, oh, okay, are you, are you Hindu then? And they said, no, we're Christian. My job, I hit the floor. You're what? This was the day before Easter. I said, praise God, you're the first Christian Nepalese person that I have met, and they're like, you're psycho. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they thought. But it was such a joy to meet a Christian from Nepal. And I said, do you guys have a church? And they're like, yeah, we have, a, we have a church in the neighborhood. And I said, that's amazing. That's cool. Can we encourage you guys and just pray for you? And so it was this really cool connection. But you walk away, you forget about it. you know, like, okay, great. Praise the Lord. We're going to trust God, pray for that group. We got a call this last week, um, two weeks ago, from a group saying, hey, can we meet with Pastor Josh? We have a Nepali church. And so we set up a meeting for this last Friday, just a few days ago, at Dunkin' Donuts. Hallelujah, right? So I met the Nepalese group at Dunkin' Donuts on Friday, two pastors and two laymen of of their house church. And normally, I've been through these meetings before. We're just like, yeah, okay, you want to rent the building, or you want to do this, or that, it's okay. God bless you. We'll pray for you. We'll cheer you on. I was blown away, blown away by a lot of things, a lot of things that God is doing in that little house church two blocks from here. But I said, hey, what about evangelism? And they said, we have seen about eight Nepalese Hindus in the neighborhood come to Christ. Praise the Lord. I was blown away by what God did in that conversation. I walked out of that, and they taught me a Nepalese phrase at the very end of the meeting. I'm like, I'm already learning Spanish. I can't learn Nepalese as well. Just kidding. But they taught me some some Nepali on the way out. But I I walked out and I just, I just, you know, you just, you get emotional about that kind of stuff. And I said, God, you are on time in saving people. You just are. And you're using this little church, this little brother and sister church down the street from us, and you are doing this thing, and we're, it's just so cool. So cool to see God doing that. God is on time to reach Africa. Africa reach the Nepali group in Southeast Des Moines, to reach every people group everywhere, all over the world. This is our God. He's an on-time God. He's always working strategically, supernaturally to make His church thrive. God is on time in the scattering, in the sending, in the seeking, and in the saving. For most of you, you're Christians, and you're having trouble accepting that God's on time because you got this situation or this circumstance. You're like, "Dude, I don't know. My my life is different. I'm struggling to believe that God's on time." As we worship God and respond to God, I just want I just want you to think through the reality that God is on time in your life, right now, today. He's on time. It's okay. Smile, chill out, trust God. And for some of you, it's, it's a moment of salvation. Some of you need to get saved, and this is your on-time moment to repent of your sins and get saved and receive Jesus, just like Jay did, to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray close our time together with a song. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy, and Lord, truly, we are so grateful and so thankful for this word from Acts chapter 8. You're an on-time God, all the time. And Lord, you're working in ways we can't see. Lord, even when we can't feel it, you're working. You're the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're the promise keeper. You're the one that saves. You're the one that redeems. You're the one that sends. You're the one that gets the glory. You are the one. So Lord, help us to trust you, just to trust you that you're on time. You're going to be on time. Lord, help us to rejoice in that. God, would you even save somebody now? In Christ's name we pray.